Welcome to the One Inside, an internal family systems podcast. I'm your host, Tammy Sallenberger. On today's podcast, I talk with Dr. Frank Anderson about spirituality and a whole lot of other stuff. I am so excited to tell you about the Heirloom Summit, which is co-created by Duran Young, founder of Black Therapist Rock, and Dick Swartz, founder of IFS. It is intentionally taking place during Black History Month on February 26th through the 28th. We are going to be offering this collective healing experience as a powerful opportunity to explore the legacy burden of racism and anti-Blackness. Using IFS, we will explore the witnessing and unburdening process to work towards increased self-leadership and to begin repairing the personal impact of our traumatic history as a nation. Stay tuned for a link for the listeners of the One Inside podcast so you can receive a discount when you register. Hey, everyone. Hope you're doing okay. I am so excited about this podcast. Okay, so normally I start recording as soon as I meet with the guest. And usually I edit that and clean that up and try to like, um, you know, just take all that stuff out. But what happened with Frank is we just immediately started talking and then the conversation just evolved. And when I went to edit it out, I tried to edit like six minutes of it out because it's like a six, six minute six to nine minute time that we are chatting about just checking in, I was like, well, some of it's not going to make sense later when we talk. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to leave it in. (laughs) There's a part of me that's like, oh, who cares? Just leave it in. So I left it all in and um, I hope you enjoy it. So if you don't know um, Frank Anderson, Frank Anderson is a superstar. That's what I think. I think I want to say a lot of people think that too, but I don't know what people think, but he is a superstar in the IFS and the trauma world. You may know him as a lead trainer for the IFS Institute. Um, You may know him by his Pesci workshops. I know a lot of people meet him because he does an intro to IFS Pesci workshop. And he's the co-author of the IFS training manual. A part of me wants to say it's the blue one. It's kind of big. And he's the co-author co-author of that. He's a psychiatrist and a psychotherapist. And I assumed, which you might be coming to this too and assuming, okay, he's a psychiatrist. We're going to talk about meds. And so I thought, yes, we're going to talk about meds and neurotransmitters. And I had some questions about meds. So boring. And I didn't get to ask any of my questions. So Frank is very personal, very engaging, and really funny. He shares so much of his own personal story, which I loved, and it's just really vulnerable and really real, Um, again, which I loved. So I felt like when I was talking to him, I could have asked, the conversation could have gone like 10 different paths, and I kept just going back to asking like personal questions. Um, Probably about 20 minutes on, we talk a lot about spirituality, And then about 35 minutes, we talk about integrating spirituality with research and science and the blending of those two worlds. In the midst of all of that, we talk a lot, again, about his personal story and just his sharing of his heart and his mind and his self, which I loved. And then we talk about the LGBTQ plus um, community and trauma. And then we talk a little bit about substance abuse. We talk a little bit about parenting throughout. And, And we end 
on, again, talking a little bit about psychedelics. And then at the very end, we talk about uh, Frank's website and all the amazing things that he offers. So I'm super excited about it. I also wanted you to know that the summit, so the Heirloom Summit is going to be February 24th through 26th, which you heard at the beginning. Um, And so from next week, on until the beginning of this, till the week before the summit, I'm going to have different guests on who are involved in the summit in some way. So I'm super, super excited about that. So if you want to get the link, so right now I still have the Black Therapist Rock link, but I'm hoping to have a special link for the disc, the um, listeners of the podcast. I'm hoping to have that soon. Take care of yourself. I would love to connect with you on Instagram and Twitter at IFS Tammy, definitely on the One Inside Facebook page. I love checking in. I love hearing your feedback and I love still hearing your words for the year. So definitely check in with me about that and enjoy. Hi. Hi. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Good. Thanks for fitting me in. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for fitting me in six months later. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to show up at Frank's house. <laughs> I was just talking to somebody. This has been such a crazy fall for me. Like it was uh, January. Like I'm just starting to come up for air. For air. Mm. It's amazing. Like I didn't realize um, because of I travel. I usually travel a ton. But then everybody switched to online and it was just way, way too much. And then mm. everybody wanted new stuff, but I wasn't traveling. So I was able to fit things in. So I'm just doing a private practice, writing a book. And like one week I was in Colorado, I was in Chicago, Toronto, and Korea in one week, all virtually. You know what I mean? Like boom, boom, yeah. boom, boom. Like, and it, the whole fall was like that. So it was really, I'm sorry I kept like, Oh my God, like what could I what could I push off? off? But I'm breathing now. I'm just like it's I'm learning now in this new normal how to schedule things differently because it was way too much. Yeah. Um, I definitely had a part that was like um felt pushed off. Yes. (laughs) And then I was like, I was like, well, I mean, I know everyone's crazy busy. And so um no, but I'm glad we got to meet today. Yeah. And so yeah. I was like, well, Frank doesn't know me, so he's not pushing me off because he doesn't know me to push me off. <laughs> that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. That's right. It was and then another more... part of me was like, if he knew me, he wouldn't push me off. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll see because I'm going to get to know you for the first time ever, really. I know. I'm super excited. So I don't know if you know, we actually met, which you probably don't know this, but we met, you did Mm. a parenting seminar at the conference a couple of years ago and you were just putting out some of your parenting paper, like PowerPoint. Was this at the networker? No, it was at the IFS conference. Oh, I did one there. That's right. Years ago. Oh, that's yes. right. Yes. Yeah, and yeah. you were the first, I know parenting is not on our agenda today, but you were yeah. the first person to say that we parent based on like our before story. Mm-hmm. And that has, I'm going to start crying. I'm like, we're not mm-hmm. talking about parenting, but that <laughs> was so important to me because I had all this fertility stuff. Yeah. And so I only yeah. have one child and yeah. I'm obsessed with him and he yeah. can do no wrong. And I am not the parent I thought it would be. I thought I would right. be way more like, but if it takes you forever to have a kid and yeah. then you can't have another one, right. then 
I had no idea. Like it just mm -hmm. you you saying that just yeah. So thank right. you for that. Ah, good, good. <laughs> yeah. Well, that I love. I'm I keep evolving on that. I've done a one day. I've done I've done a couple one days for parenting. I do three hours. Like it is one of those. Um, I love speaking on that because it's so personal. Yeah. Like it's like I start. I'm like I'm not the expert. Just just saying, not the expert. Like. Um, yeah, it's such a, I mean, that's what really got me in the IFS. That's why was no, here. totally, totally. Like I had done so much therapy in my life so much. And then I started getting triggered with my kid, my first kid. And I was like, holy shit, I am not repeating this. That's what got me in the IFS. Really, that is how I started IFS was because my oldest son. Wow. So did you like find someone who was like, how did you find IFS? Like you were, yeah, tell me that story. Well, yeah, I found IFS through Bessel really um, because I have for years done workshops for Bessel van der Kolk at his annual trauma conference. I've been with Bessel since 1992. Okay. Um, and so I think there was one year I was doing a workshop and then he got had this guy, Dick Schwartz, doing a workshop. He had felt like Bessel always finds out about people. And then he like brings them into the conference. And so I'm like, all right, I'll go to it. And I was like, it was one of those kind of Oprah. I talk about this a lot. An Oprah aha moment for me was like, and, and I just kept nodding. Like, you know, I had done a ton of trauma work, working with trauma clients. I was a psychiatrist for the trauma center for years. And Dick, there was something different about this unburdening process. Like, healing wounds nobody ever talked about that before like mm. it was one of those get the parts out of the past permanently are you kidding me so and i went up to dick schwartz after <clears throat> it's like you know hi i'm frank anderson blah 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 blah. and he's like yeah you were i saw you in the second row nodding a lot like he's like <laughs> i was like one of the dogs in the back of the car bobbing my head you know right. i was like yeah. it was like so resonated wow. and it was like from that moment then I just totally shifted everything. I think that was like my son was born in 2004. So it was around 2004. Wow. That it was like that. Oh, my God. And it was all about the the stuff that got activated so deep. Yeah. That I had yeah. that was not being triggered at all in my life, you know. Um, because well, kids can kids, do that to you. Kids right? can just, do that. Yeah. You got it. That's exactly right. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Well, I feel so glad that we have you like mm. that we as our ifs community like we got you and that makes me just so happy yeah it's good it's a good place for me to be it really it fits it works it's and in so many ways it's a it's kind of full alignment now which feels mm, great great yeah so I don't know if you're familiar with the podcast, but I usually start with asking people, I mean, we've already started, but just yeah. to sort of back up a little bit, I, I always ask with asking people where they are in the world and just mm -hmm. like telling everybody where you are, because we have people from all over the world that listen to it. Mm -hmm. And so tell me where you are in the world. And if you were to look out your nearest window, what do you see? Mm, so I am currently in Harvard, Massachusetts. And it's a great question. <laughs> Excuse me. If I look out the window right now, what do I see? Because I happen to be, for the moment, in my bedroom, looking out the window at a bunch of trees because we live in the woods. Mm. And it's, a, it's such a, you know, in this day and age and in this time, you know, I haven't been in the office to see a client since March, of course, like most of us. And um, I've really, really loved this home office thing. 
And typically my home office is now upstairs on the second floor, but we happen to have um, people um, fixing some of our TV rooms. So we've got contractors in the house, uh, which is for a very loud and noisy therapy sessions with my clients. So I don't need to tell my clients that I'm in my bedroom, but the office as of late has been moved to the bedroom, um, looking out into the woods. So it's a, such a bizarre, like, you know, you make it work now, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Yeah, I love yeah. that. I don't think of Harvard as having woods. Like when I think of Harvard, I don't think well, that is. So it's interesting because most people think of Harvard as Harvard University. And in fact, Harvard University is not in Harvard at all. Right. It's in so Cambridge, isn't it's it? It's in Cambridge. That's right. exactly right. I live in this really beautiful, beautiful rural town about 45 minutes outside of Boston, which is where most of the Harvard professors summered. So they taught it's called Harvard because there's a little pond here. Every house has two acre minimums. Like it's a very, like mm. it's a beautiful bucolic, like bedroom community, if you will. And all the professors would come out here and hang out in the summer. So um, it's why it's called Harvard. So most people do confuse it um, that we live in this really kind of small rural Six thousand people. That's awesome um, here. So it's a lovely. It's a very peaceful. Like I've been really. It's a beautiful place to quarantine. I love it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, I have clients that, that um, <clears throat> I have one client who was living in, um, I can't think of it now, but I'm saying it. It's right next to, Cam it's like along that like line in Cambridge. And I can't think of the name of it now. Yeah. Um, but she's like, they basically don't leave their apartment. It's like, and she was like, they had to get groceries delivered. And yeah. even if she got up at like six o'clock in the morning to go for a walk, she had to wear a mask because yeah. everyone else was out. And yeah. I was like, Boston was so bad. Yeah. It really is. And we were, we were, we were, Boston and New York were really part of the first wave in that way. And we got hit very early and very hard. And yeah, Boston, Cambridge, Brookline, there's all these communities around there, very concentrated. It's, you know, New England, this is where the country kind of started. So it's very concentrated. Yeah. Um, we used to live in the city uh, before we had kids and we kind of moved out. Um, you know, it's 45 minutes out of the city. We, we used to have chickens. Like it's very rural quickly because of the mm. way New England is so spaced yes. together, Yeah. <clears throat> you know? Yeah. So I love, I feel fortunate. Like we can take walks. We have, you know, conservation land in our backyard and it's just been so lucky and fortunate, super gra awesome. grateful yeah. to have the space to be able to quarantine. How are your kids doing? Really interesting such a mix, such a mix, I would mm -hmm. say. Um, in some ways, we've, you know, like maybe many people, we've had the best family time ever in this last mm -hmm. year, you know, um, and it's been really hard socially, you know, especially my teenager just wants to be with his friends. And yeah. that's just so difficult for him. And <clears throat> my youngest, who's on the spectrum, has been, you know, very isolating and isolative and challenging. So in some ways it's hard for them developmentally, yeah. but in other ways, and it's interesting, they, they love the quiet life. I have to mm. say, it's interesting the, the like the holidays, for example, they're like, isn't it great? It's just the four of us for Thanksgiving. Aww. And isn't this great that we're not going anywhere for Christmas. So they appreciate wow. this kind of quiet, 
solitude that we're really living in right now. And, mm. you know, I don't know if you saw the movie Little Women, <clears throat> the new version that came out last year, right? Yeah. It was filmed in my town. What? So Harvard is like, this is where all that stuff originated, right? So oh, yeah. um, our, the, we remember when the movie cameras and the crews came and everything like this, and they were filming little women in our town. So it was such a bizarre like juxtaposition to watch little women during quarantine. And we were like living it. It's like we were homeschooling, we're taking walks, nobody driving. Like it was such a bizarre thing right. that we like really resor resorted back to that, those very simple basic times. Mm. And so it was a very weird and in the space where that's the way it used to be. Okay. So I'm going to, so then yeah, tell me about this. How are you doing with, because this is what's happening for me. There's that going on a little bit, but then there's the other thing that you're talking about that you're almost too busy because yes. it's like now, it, it, it right? Is. So it's like, I can't, I'm like, I feel like a responsibility <laughs> as a mental health provider. That's right. So all my old clients are coming back. So I'm yes. busier than ever, plus the podcast, yeah. plus I'm also writing a book. Yeah. So how am I supposed to, everyone else is sort of slowing down and chilling and yeah. I'm not. That's been very hard. Isn't it really complicated? Yeah. Like I'm in the same position. I really I agree with you. And um, I I so I hold a couple things about it. From a spiritual perspective, I feel like I never want to go back to the way it was. Okay, I was traveling like a nut, super busy. Everybody was go 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 go. So the the hard stop was incredibly valuable in some ways, and it made me really reevaluate everything. I was like, wait a minute, like this, these kids are going to be gone. I want to spend every second with them. I love walking upstairs to work and walking downstairs for, you know, <clears throat> so in some ways I really want to preserve that. And oh, by the way, we're in a global pandemic. This is trauma for everyone. Okay. And so there is this pulling in and I, I think about it as a double trauma and, and, and everybody's traumatized which then triggers everybody's history, mm. okay? So we are also, you know, some people are traumatized because they have no job, no money, <laughs> and no place to live. Those people need help, mm -hmm. you know? And then everybody else is trying to maintain and survive. And like, I don't have any colleagues that, and friends of mine that are, have any space for clients. Everybody I know is full, yeah. you know? So there is this increased need that is that I feel very committed to, you know, it reminds me because I did some work for September 11th, like living in Boston and working with the trauma center, we went over <clears throat> to ground zero and I did work and I almost feel like I'm back there a little bit like mm. helping people in this trauma, you know, yeah, yeah. needless to say what we all went through a couple of days ago, for example, like layers and layers of trauma. And you know, Tammy, for me, like there's the double trauma, as I say, the current day trauma, but it triggers so much. Historically, I've done so many legacy burdens for people, right? Stuff from their history, Holocaust, any number of family legacy, cultural burdens that are also coming up, being yeah. restricted, being contained, you know, being held down, all this stuff. So it is this very weird for me, peaceful, quiet, and busier than ever. Yeah. 
new normal, if you will. So, and I wasn't expecting to be this busy at all. You know, I, yeah. I didn't think it, but the need makes sense, right? Yeah. At the beginning, my husband was like, the banks are closed. I don't understand why you're so, so busy. <laughs> <laughs> because he was working from home and he was handling like almost all the remote learning. And I was like, I don't like, I, it's like the banks are closed. And like, you know, that's so funny. He says that because I haven't used money in months. (laughs) Like, it's like that, the whole, I don't use Bitcoin, but it's like the whole money exchange is like, who uses a dollar anymore? Everything is square or Venmo. Like we've just learned how to interact virtually, even with money. Like who would go to a bank? Like, what's the point? It's so bizarre because it's all, yeah, it's all um, virtual. Like everything's this new virtual world in this bizarre way. So, yeah, yeah. 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 So tell me about, let's talk about the spirituality because it's mm-hmm. like this, it is a chance. Yeah. I feel like there's a part of me that's like, there's all these missed, cha- I'm having missed chances or missed opportunities. So this sort mm. of, this is a, a chance for me to be and to connect more spiritually. Um, so yeah, so tell me about that and tell me about how spirituality like integrates and ties into IFS. Yeah, it's such, you know, like that when you even say that it warms my heart, like that's such an important piece for me in my life right now. It's been that way for quite a while. And, you know, I'm really incorporating so much more spirituality into my work with IFS. I'm going to be teaching more about spirituality. I've done workshops on this now and I just, it's. It's so important. And oh, by the way, the world is in this huge spiritual transformation. Do you know what I mean? So it's like there's this parallel going on right now. And I keep saying I'm on the right. I feel like I'm well aligned for what's coming up, what's Mm -hmm. coming ahead, because there is this huge shift that we're in. You know, change doesn't happen typically easily or smoothly. And there's so much tumult in the world. And there are these great opportunities in what we're going through right now that's going to position us, I firmly believe, into a much, much better place. And so I, you know, this is not, I I have a similar story that Dick does, you know, Dick and I talk about this a lot because he grew up with a bunch of doctor brothers and doctor father and very non-spiritual. And I was, you know, Harvard trained doctor, medical, medical world, all this. And, you know, luckily enough, and I don't, think it's luck. I think this is exactly the trajectory as I married this man who is incredibly spiritual, you know, Mm. and we're so, I was all sciencey and he was all spiritual and he was, you know, I know exactly why he came into my life and he brought this whole spiritual dimension Mm. into our family and our life that opened up this world for me, um, which has been incredible. And just like, it's like, okay, stop, slow down see what, you know, ask for help. Mm. It's available. It's outside of you. You don't have to work so hard, Frank. So it was this huge, like, relief as a doctor who needs to know, right, to have this energy and this presence in my life. Yeah. So my spiritual journey really started 
with my husband, we've been together for 21 years now, I think. So, you know, it's been this kind of cultivation and then, then working with Dick and being very close to him and seeing him kind of see this stuff evolve too. It just allowed me to just expand that and include my spiritual life into my clinical work because, Mm. you know, is I, Dick and I did this, level two IFS trauma, level two training together for six or seven years or something like that. And so, you know, he would always include spirituality in his level three. And I'm like, Dick, if we're doing a trauma training, I need to include guides and unattached burdens. And he's like, okay, let's do it. You know what I mean? So we started bringing spirituality into the level two training, which was wonderful. And so I started incorporating my personal spiritual life with the work. And, you know, with IFS, it just dovetails so beautifully, you know? Um, And I have a chapter in this new book that I have coming out on on IFS trauma and spirituality, because it's really, you know, a very important piece of um, trauma survivors had so much taken away from them and they are so much about protection and control. And part of the healing is letting go in a way that feels safe which includes spirituality, but it, but you have to do so much work up front with protectors in order to allow that kind of openness mm. to come in. Mm. And when people do that, um, so much healing happens because there's so much resource outside of oneself if you're open to it. Mm. You know? So it really, from the trauma perspective, spirituality is a very important component to healing. Um, and so much blocks healing um, that spirituality can override and overcome in a way if you think about legacy burden or unattached burdens so it's such an important interweave um, in the work of trauma from my perspective Um, and you know the thing that Dick has been a little bit nervous not anymore he's come a long way you know he's got a new book coming out um, with sounds true which is great around spirituality and stuff And um, you've just, he's been more hesitant to talk about it historically because of the fear and worry about how people are going to receive this. And a little bit for me, I'm like, well, it's not my model. (laughs) Like I can speak (laughs) about it. (laughs) Like, you know, I'm not, I'm not upholding a model here. I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, one of the the leaders in the field, if you will, that's able to support the work as opposed to holding it as my work. So I had much less fear around talking about spirituality and talking about guides and talking about past life issues and all this unattached burdens because, you know, I didn't have as much to lose maybe as he did, you know, but he's certainly come a long way around that. He's much more comfortable and I'm excited. I'm really, you know, thinking him and I have talked about this and, you know, in my copious free time, if you will. I really want to do a, um, a level two IFS spirituality and psychedelics training, you know, because that's another arena that kind of opens up the world of spirituality is psychedelic medicine. Yeah. And so I feel like it, I'm passionate about it. And um, I want to do, I want to see how we can create a course for the IFS Institute that incorporates spirituality and psychedelic medicine. Cause it's, yeah, it's like trauma, parenting, spirituality are kind of like my main 
passions, if you will, right now at this point. Okay, so I'm going to back you up because I have like a yeah. zillion questions. <laughs> Absolutely. So, um, one of the, can I ask you some personal questions? Absolutely. Yeah, okay. absolutely. You don't have to answer them, but yeah. So, you know, if you've been around sort of Dick and sort of, I know a little bit about his story, but I'm curious mm -hmm. about your story, about your, like you said, you don't have to go, 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 go. Yeah. So, is it, was that part of, the like going to Harvard and um, becoming a doctor was there these parts of you that were like I've got to go 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 and and yeah. and in this very science driven way yeah absolutely yeah absolutely. can you talk about that a little bit yeah it's interesting so a couple things about it um so I'll, I'll give you a, a couple things so kind of I was gonna probably be a pediatrician. I loved kids. I always loved kids. I kind of figured that's what I would do. My dad was a pharmacist. And so we, I grew up in this, my mom was a nurse. So I grew up in this very medical community. And then um, <clears throat> a family member of mine, my, my sister had major mental illness, kind of a bipolar break in her teens, which was just devastating for our family, mm -hmm. you know? And so that was just a huge piece that just derailed me. I have all these, you know, I'm the oldest kid caretaking. I got to take care of her. Mm -hmm. And so I really kind of shifted in some ways from pediatrics to psychiatry to kind of save her okay. and rescue her. You know what I mean? Yeah. And Oh, surprise, surprise, unbeknownst to me, what I was really doing was saving her and focusing outside and being an expert because I wasn't really connected to my own trauma history. Mm. I wasn't really connected to my own wounding. You know what I mean? And it was, I would yeah. talk about the consummate caregiver, like caregiver first, for was sure. Was that your role in the family even totally. before her? Okay. Totally. Okay. Was so, it just the two of you or was there more kids? No, I have a brother and another sister. So four kids. Okay. But I was the, the oldest, oldest. Yeah. taking care of everybody. So this initial thrust to go and save her, when I got into psychiatry then, then I started like, holy cow, there's a lot going on in here. Then I did the U-turn, if you will, for the first time mm -hmm. and really kind of realized my history and mm. the trauma for me, um, but still very much in that Harvard fix it, do it kind of way. You know what I mean? It mm -hmm. wasn't really until my husband introduced this kind of, well, maybe you cannot work so hard and maybe there is help outside. You know what I mean? So he kept mm. planting that seed, even though I knew why I was there, Right, was personal. Um, but there was still this, I'm going to go, I'll go to the number one trauma center in the world. I'll work with Bessel van der Kolk, like this driven, accomplished, achievement yeah. piece in me. Yeah. And interestingly enough, Tammy, that the real switch <laughs> was when my husband and I tried to have a baby. It was like, well, I can't do that one. I can't make that one happen. <laughs> like it was kind of like, I'm competent, but can't do that. And yeah, there yeah. was such a letting go in that. It was like, okay, mm. like, I have to let go. And I'll remember the moments of letting go because, you know, we, you know, I have no control over having a baby. I mean, most people don't anyways, but there was a different level of letting go. And I remember a shift in my life, like the first time, all right, you, you are not in charge here. You have no control over this. You have to let it go. And that was, a, it was a, like a relaxation for me. And it was really the first time in my life I really let go. Wow. You know, and then after trying for six months, rounds and rounds of 
inseminations and surrogacy and all this stuff. The, the, I let go in June and she got pregnant in July. You know, wow. it was like not coincidental right. at all. Yeah. And it was yeah. so related to letting go. Yeah. And for me, I would say that's where I spiritually was like, got it. Okay. You know, and my life shifted yeah. um, from that point forward in that way. Yeah. That makes open. so much sense to me, right? Yeah. Cause you're like, I'm going to be the best. I'm going to try. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. I'm going to do. And it's interesting that it's like all this, it's really all these external things though, right? I'm going to yeah. do all these things. Yeah. And then there's this thing that you can't control. And it's, That's right. it's been, it's been, I mean, I'm still, I still do a lot. I still accomplish a lot, but I also am so much better at letting go, mm. you know, and so much better at asking for help and, letting it unfold. Like even in the current day situation, I've been holding like, all right, this is the way it's supposed to be. All right, I'll be here to help the change. I'll bring more love and compassion to the world. I'm not gonna stop what's happening. I'm gonna be a part of the change that's necessary. And if this is the way it's supposed to go, I trust that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Just Yeah, which is way more spiritual, way. right? It's yeah. way more spiritual. And that's like right. there is this change, there is this, you know, there is a huge change happening in, in people talk about that with like the stars and the moon and all that stuff, yeah. which I don't really understand, but there's That's all right. the people talking about that. Yeah. And so, yeah, there is going to be an upheaval and then, right. I could try to change it and control. I can try to control it, yes. which feels very like efforty and part driven totally. or I can sort of do the spiritual yes. letting go. And there's something, there's something that we don't see that's happening. So beyond us. Yeah. That's the, that's a thing. So, you know, my husband will probably kill me, but he's, a, he's been studying as to, in, in, in mediumship for several years now. So it's a world that he lives in and he's always like, Hey, read this book. Hey, here's a reading, you know? So he, he always, you know, I just, I just did an energy reading with somebody it was a Christmas present that he gives me all these readings and stuff. So he's really exposed me to a lot, like most of my reading is spiritual reading. And, you know, most of the stuff that I read is this whole other world and how the world works and how there's so much, like if you think about the level of souls, the level of ascended masters, like there's all these spiritual layers beyond our human existence here. And so I've just gotten, I've been opened up to so much of that through my reading. Mm -hmm. And there's so much beyond us that is like, um, uh, I have, I'll give you a good example of this. Like we, there's so little we know about it from the grand scheme when we're in human form. If I think about our souls, right? Like I, I read this one book for this woman, Tina Louise Spaulding, like a lot of her work. And she, she channeled a bunch of famous people who had died and she got this whole information. And there was this piece for me that was like, oh my God. And she had channeled, it was interesting because she had heard this voice and she wrote it down and it ended up being both Kennedys. Like she channeled Bobby, Bobby and JFK and they came down as one voice and the information that she got from them, and this is a channeling from... Ananda, which is this group of ascended masters. And she, they said, we knew we were an important family and we knew we were going to change the world, but we had no idea that our being assassinated was the way 
that our impact on the world, that, that, that our impact would have in the world. We thought being the president was our vehicle of change, but when we transitioned, we realized, oh, the way we were gonna change the world was the, the impact and the effect that the assassinations had on everybody. And it was one of those things for me, like what we don't really know. <laughs> like, and that made even sense to me because they had huge impact on the change in the world, right? right? But not in the way that our human minds may think about it, Yeah. right? So yeah. I, I'm always open to, there's a lot I don't know. And there's a lot of forces <laughs> beyond us. So I'm just gonna be open to that. So how does that fit into being a psychiatrist and mm -hmm. a medical doctor? And I was thinking about, right, so sort of there's a lot I don't know. And you just talked about channeling, by the mm -hmm. way, and you're a psychiatrist. <laughs> so tell me about that, which I yeah. love. Because I feel like when you talk about Dick and Dick working so hard to prove this model, right? Yeah. So he worked so hard to prove this model. And now he's a little more open now that it's it's got a lot of feet to it. I'm not saying that right, it. but right now that he, he can introduce the spirituality because he's really proven himself and the model has proven himself. Yeah. So he's sort of doing that, but you're doing that too. So tell yeah. me, yeah, tell me about that. Well, so it's interesting because it is, it's more of an integration. I mean, I was the, you know, he had, John and Dick asked me to run the foundation for self-leadership many years ago, you know, and that whole charge of the foundation for self-leadership was bringing uh, research and validity to the IFS model. And part of me was like, uh, guys, uh, we're talking about firefighters, exiles, and managers. You want me to translate that to a research grant to get a research proposal? Like, hello, that's a big ask. <laughs> so there was a lot about blending these two worlds that is was very complicated because you know we're still we still did this paper on IFS and complex trauma. It's been six years, it hasn't been published yet. You know, and it, we just right now we just got a we just like are submitting for hopefully an approval and for a, in a trauma journal, you know, because it's like translating the language and how nobody even knows what IFS is and making it right. scientific and using different language. You know, yeah. this is, yeah. you know, so there, it's blending those two worlds has been a complicated one in reality you know, in the medical community and the scientific community. Um, thank goodness we, Nancy Shattuck did the research paper on, you know, rheumatoid arthritis. And I really do believe this paper on complex trauma will be, um, it will be approved at some point and published, but- That's a long journey though. That's a, a long time. And it speaks to the, you know, this is a grassroots model that we're trying to give scientific validity. Yeah. You know, we've yeah. done, we're doing EEG and physiology. There was this another study that we did on physiological. I, you know, hooked everybody up to monitors and heart rate monitors and things and doing IFS sessions with them. So bringing physiological validity to the model. So there's this, and, you know, somebody says it takes about 10 years to prove what you already know. So it's a long journey in the research world to mm. prove what we know. And it's, you know, I'm not in the foundation anymore, but that's doing its thing. So getting this, proving that validity. But for me personally, it is, they're not, they're much more integrated to me. Science is, you know, it's kind of like the way I talk about it in the training that I do is the mind and the brain. Okay. If you think about that, like the mind 
is imagination and the brain is neurons and networks and neurotransmitters. And we really integrate the mind and the brain in psychotherapy. Do you know what I mean? And so it's like the medicine, spiritual mind brain connection. Yes. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. That's the way I think of it. So it's not an either or it's how, you know, if you have enough information in both worlds, how do you bring them together? I love it. I love it. Can we do a huge jump sure. and talk about the LGBTQ community? It's really interesting. So, yeah, I, it, this is, you know, I've spent so much of my career in trauma, trauma, trauma. You know, this next book, it really, I'm super excited about it. It's IFS for Complex Trauma. Um, I'm going <clears> to, <throat> um, our working title is Transcending Trauma, Healing Complex Trauma with Internal Family Systems. So that's a big piece Love of it. work. Yeah. My life's work in some ways It's going to be published in April and that'll be out there. Um, we're looking for that soon. I'm excited about that. A great, that great, exciting. great work. So proud of it. Like, I don't even know how well it's going to do, Tammy, but I'm so proud of it. Like, it's like, I, I feel it. so good about it. Like, I hope you guys like it too, but I do, you know, it was yeah. like, it's really my heart and soul mm. in that piece of trauma for, you know, a while. And now that that body of work is going to be out there in that way it kind of opens me up to do all these other things which I'm passionate about you know parenting was creeping in for a long time but it's like oh yeah Frank like you're a gay man like hello you've never even really talked about that it's never even been a part of my teaching and you know it's something that has been interesting and we haven't done much about it in the IFS community, really, LGBTQ+. And, you know, I in my private practice, I've always, I work with a lot of trans people, I've worked with a lot of gay people, and it's just who I am, but I've never been in the teaching mode around it. Yeah. And this fall, I work with a group up in Canada, uh, Leading Edge Seminars, Michael Kerman. He's a lovely guy, and he has me do a lot of workshops for him. He's like, Frank, this fall, teach a bunch of different things that you want to teach. So he did this, we did this like six session uh, course on me teaching all these different topics, substance abuse, shame, spirituality, parenting, and LGBTQ+. So it was really great to start that journey of, hey, you know, I want to incorporate that into my teaching world too. So I just started, I did a three-hour workshop for them in the fall. And I just started, you know, when you get into this creative process of teaching, you you start reading things, you start looking at things and thinking about how all this literature incorporates with IFS. So it is another one of these topics, honestly, that I'm very interested in. And I have a ton of experience because I've just been quietly doing the work for years. I just Mm -hmm. haven't turned it into a workshop yet. (laughs) You know what I mean? So there's a lot that I have, like that'll be coming too. It's like coming attractions, if you will, of that world because like there's so much trauma just by being who you are Mm. as a gay person. Like you are not okay Mm. in the world when you are born, like there is, and it's inherent, it's ubiquitous, it's cultural, it's personal, it's family, you know, shame. It's just like part of what it is. And I've done so much therapy on it. I don't live in that shame at all anymore. But when I look upon it, you know, it is a trauma to be a gay person in this world. 
No man, even if you live in California or Massachusetts, you know what I mean? Like it's true. So there's a whole trauma piece around that. There's a way that internally and externally, like I remember, I remember looking at my uncles and be like, I, I, I got to act like that. That's how, that's what a man is. And that's how I have to be. So as a very early age, as a kid, I would watch my uncles and see the way they interacted because I knew I wasn't right. And I knew that I had to be like that. So you, you just inherently are wrong mm. and you have to fit into this world and nobody even has to talk about it. It just is what it is. Wow. Do you know what I mean? So there's yeah. so much in that shame, you know, and your parents, you, you have to hide a huge portion of who you are, even with your parents, because mm. you're not acceptable because mm-hmm. you know what the world wants. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So there's so much that is deeply embedded in this gay experience for mm. people yeah. that I'm, you know, excited to talk about, excited to teach about. And, you know, the trans piece I'll talk about in a little bit, because that's a whole different dimension of it, mm. which I love. I just love that work so much. I love working with trans people. Um, but then there's the whole self dimension, Tammy, and in the LGBTQ, because it's very interesting. And I've thought about this a lot and I know my work will expand on this because it self energy from my perspective does have gender and orientation in it. We, you know, when, when I think about the human experience of self energy, gay is who I am. Okay. My gender, a man is who I am, like gender and orientation for me, experientially is encompassed in self energy. It's not my gay part. It's who I am. Okay. Now, so there's this whole dimension of LGBTQ orientation and gender with self. That is a whole world to explore. Okay. Mm -hmm. When I go into the spiritual dimension, gender and sexuality fall away. You know, when I've done psychedelics work, when I'm in that other spiritual world, I I don't feel a gender and I don't feel any orientation. So I do see these differentiations between our human embodied self and our spiritual self around gender and orientation. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. Well, that makes sense, right? If I think of like myself and my yeah. soul, maybe yeah. that that would be, there would be, yeah. It's yeah, a difference. You know what I mean? So yes. we're look. I'm looking at those, those differences between the human embodiment of self energy yeah. and the body that it has to express itself through yeah. versus the soul of self energy. So yeah. self is very intertwined with gender and orientation in a way that I don't think people really pay attention to so much. Mm, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the same thing is true even more so for trans people because it is gender and sexuality and people really confuse those all the time. Yes. They don't yes. get, they just don't get that gender and orientation are two totally different issues. Yeah. You know, yeah. and people who are trans deal with both. Yeah. You know what I mean? So with my, so I love seeing teenagers and um, I have mm. a couple trans teens and yes. what I tell them all the time is, our my generation we have no idea what you're talking about and i'm trying i'm trying so hard but you guys in so many ways are creating a whole new world and yeah. new definitions Paradigm. And pe- 
Yeah, yeah. And even people that want to know don't understand. Like, even if I come to this just curious and, and so I'll tell them like, I'm going to ask stupid questions because I don't know. And yeah. yeah. And yeah. So even without, without having judgments on them, I just, I'm like these, you know, my heart goes out to them because they're creating something so new. Here's the way I would say it. They're not creating, they're accessing something that we haven't accessed before. Cause I don't think they're creating anything. I think they're open to it in a way that we weren't. Okay. That's the way I see it because this is the way it's always been. It's just, hasn't been acknowledged. It hasn't been embraced. You know, the room has not, it hasn't been safe. Okay. It's traumatic. So it has not been safe to explore gender and orientation in the way that this, I think about it over, I'm 57. I think about it the over 40 and under 40, like people over 40 are in a different generation when you come to orientation. You know what I mean? Like there's this younger generation that's Joe Court speaks about this a lot. He's a, he's a friend and colleague of mine who writes about and talks about this a lot, the gender, the divide between the generations around this fluidity Mm. and orientation stuff. I love that. Well, thinking about your story, I mean, I think what, like the idea that the room wasn't safe. So your story is this little boy that felt like he was, something was wrong, something. And so he looked at his uncles and if the room's not safe, he would have molded himself to pretend to be his uncles his entire life. Totally, 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 totally. Absolutely. And I did that and many people do that. I mean, kids are coming out much sooner now. It's great, but they're not coming out at birth. <laughs> They're not yeah. coming out from the beginning. They still have a version of that. I We had it much longer. And you know, it's an interesting thing. This is part of why it's funny. I, part of why the LGBTQ stuff is coming after the trauma book is everybody heals in a different order. And we trust the system. I had to heal my own trauma before I could deal with gender and orientation. Some people need to do gender and orientation before they do their trauma. You know what I mean? This was yeah, just my that. order. You yeah. know what I mean? And this yep. is the natural order for me. So we'll look at that, like it, to be able to, where is the safety in that? It was very clear to me, not that it was conscious, that I had to heal. I had to heal the ex, the internal world was not safe enough until that external trauma was sorted out yes. and healed. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's yeah. how it worked for me. I love that. When I think of uh, the order of your workshops, like, right, like how <laughs> that's you're right, that's right, right. right. That's so you're right. like, okay, so how to do the spirituality yeah. and then that, then yeah. the drama and then the parenting, yeah. and, you know, it's like, and it's LGBTQ like, yeah. stuff. That's exactly right. Yeah. yeah it and is that's the, just how your process is. Exactly. That's exactly right. Yeah. You're like, I'll workshop it and then I'll develop it into a book and then I'll, then it'll be a level two. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly right. You know, it's interesting. Leading with the cognitive, I've got all the cognitive, you know, and then moving into the spiritual. Yeah, that's exactly right. Because that probably right. feels really safe for you, right? And I think that probably feels safe for a lot of people, right? I understand yeah. it intellectually. My intellectual parts really get it. Yeah. And then that opens up safety for yeah. other parts of me to get it. The total deeper exploration on the emotional, soul, spiritual level. Yeah. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Do you want to talk a little bit about substance use? Yeah, sure. Because, you know, it's interesting. So this month, actually, I'm doing a um, continuity program. C. Sykes and I are doing for the Institute, which I'm super excited about because that was another, that's another topic, you know, and Cease has been so 
wonderful for our community about bringing substance abuse. I think Mary Kruger too also has done a lot of work on substance use. So I really respect all the pioneering work that they have done, you know, um, around substance use. And for me, again, there's this personal component, which I'll talk about in a minute, but it also is very rooted in trauma, my trauma work. So it's, you know, it's, it's rare to work with trauma survivors when there isn't some form of addiction, like, yeah. or yeah. substance use, whether it's food, whether it's gambling, whether it's sex, whether it's, you know, yeah. any substance, right? So we got to soothe ourselves some way. It's an external source of soothing, yeah. right? So, and it's very, it, it became kind of this subspecialty for me because of my work with trauma is working with substance use. So I've been doing that work for a long time and you know, just been able to write about it again in this book that's coming out. But I also, it was another, it's one of those later topics cause there's a lot of substance abuse in my family. So I grew up in that environment um, that was very traumatic for me in some ways and very oppressive. So, you know, again, in that safety is, you know, the more I heal, the safer it is for me to talk about it. So there is a personal component. I don't personally, I, I you know, like you can, you can either join it or become anti, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Yes, yes. Way, I am like so anti-substance. Like I'm one, I'm, I'm like so clean, you know, I just did, I went the other way, you know what I yeah, mean? Right. What I grew right. up in and people. Right. Well, you have managers away. then, right? That's what happens is you have really strict <laughs> managers that are like, nope, we're going to have these rigid rules around it. It started out as managers, but it's not what it is anymore. It's soul alignment. Like mm-hmm. I am, I am just clean and aligned because for me, substances take us out of alignment there it really does so i am i am like more aligned than i ever have been because nothing's taking me out anymore do you know what i mean so it was manager driven reaction to but it's not that at all anymore there's a there's this alignment of clean nothing blocks nothing blocks my flow Mm. okay because substances can block flow Right. So that's the way I see it now is a different thing, but I I love teaching about it. And I I'm like teaching about it in the, in the con in the context of trauma. You know, I do this work. Right. Well, you just said, take me out. So when I think about trauma, I think of like, I need to be taken out. And I think about even what happened this week as I was like eating ice cream, (laughs) I needed to be taken out. You got it. You know, that's exactly right. Those are those external soothers, those external protectors that are super valuable, you know? And so I'm excited about adding that dimension uh, to my teaching um, and, you know, Cece and I did our, we've been filming um, and it's so great to work with her and it's been so fun. So I'm excited for people to be able to learn because we do talk about and teach things differently a little bit. So it's great in this continuity program, people are going to get this combo of her expertise and then my additions as it relates to trauma. And there's a whole piece on shame that I talk about because it's it's hard to have any substance um use without a shame cycle you know what i mean so i talk a lot about shame as it relates to substances also that's great yeah that's great i'm excited about we could hit all those topics again (laughs) yes we could and you know what yeah we we will because they're all these are a lot of these are these new new expansions as i've kind of finished this book i'm going to be expanding all of these topics um substance use lgbtq spirituality and parenting too yeah and the psychedelics you know that's a piece that we haven't talked much about here 
um, you'll be seeing I'm currently working on a new course for the Institute. I, I did this fall course um, with PESI and the Institute on IFS integration, where I interviewed a bunch of the lead trainers. Okay. I'm currently working on a course right now for IFS um, integrating IFS with other models of therapy, which I'm super excited about. So I'm looking at EMDR and sensory motor and all this stuff with IFS. But one of the things I'm looking at is psychedelics and incorporating that. So one of the lectures in this new course is going to be incorporating psychedelic medicine with IFS too. So that's a whole nother topic. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah, IFS seems to really go along well with that. Yes. It yeah. does. And I'll say there are, are wonderful ways to do it and not so wonderful ways to do it. So it's not as it's not the panacea fix everybody thing that a lot of people are hoping it's going to be. Mm, okay. And it's going to be a very useful addition for a certain segment of the population. I love it. Is the way I think about it. Yeah. I love that. Where can people find these courses you're talking about? Like you, you have so much going on. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's crazy. It's really, um, a lot of the, well, so some of the courses are on the IFS Institute, like the continuity program I'm doing. Um, some of these courses are at leading edge seminars that's up in Canada. A lot, most of the courses are in PESI, on the PESI website because they are the ones that you know, are producing a lot of my content. You, you know, people are buying them through them. So it's any of the way. I mean, you go to my website, really. It's all that's all those links are on my website. Right. Um, so people can get it that way, too. And what is your website? Yeah, it's frankandersonmd.com. Right. Yeah. And um, the last question, and then I'll yeah. let you go because then you have to go, is if you weren't doing all of the stuff that you're doing, and I know you're doing a lot, what would you do instead? And you, you can't do any of the stuff you're doing. What would you do instead? Oh my goodness. <laughs> so I will retire someday. I'll tell you that. Like, I love my I work. I know that I believe you, but. Okay. I know. I said to my husband, we're going to be sitting on a rocking chair someday looking out. And he's like, uh, no, Frank, I don't think you're sitting on any rocking chair anytime soon. But I love being in nature and I love exercising. Like those are passion and travel. Like if I, I could, I could not work. I could not work, but I'd be doing, I wouldn't be sitting in a rocking chair. Right. Okay. Right. But I, I would be traveling. I'd be in nature. I'd be uh, exercising. That's what I would do. If I, if I, if work was taken away, That's I, what you would I, do. I can enjoy myself pretty easily. But in, you like to be moving, right? You're like, your body wants to be moving. I am such an, as you know, Bessel's book, body keeps the score. Like so much is held in my body. Mm. And my body, you know, body and nature, like body and nature, the more I heal, the more I'm attuned to nature um, through my body. Hiking is one of my favorite activities, yoga. Yeah. So yeah, that's what I would, I, there's a, there's going to be no shortage of interest for me outside of my work, which yeah. I love. That's great. And I'm lucky for, you know. Thanks for hanging out today. If you like this episode, make sure you subscribe. And if you really like this episode, share it with a friend and leave a review. You can follow me on Instagram at IFSTammy and join our community on Facebook at The One Inside Podcast. Talk to you next time.